0: Welcome to the quintessential being podcast here you'll find conversations with epic souls that offer fresh perspectives cultivate awareness and invite acceptance for you to experience wholeness right now join me Nikki O'Brien as I dive deep with these beautiful beings of light Hello, loves. Before we jump into today's wisdom, I just want to say that I am loving connecting with some of you on my socials. If you haven't found me there yet, quintessential being by Nikki on Facebook and Instagram. This is where I continue the conversation of incredible insights, divine downloads, and whispers from my soul. So come join me if you haven't found me yet. I'm also coaching audio editor and producer. So if you want help, stepping into your personal power, using your voice and sharing your heart-centered message with the world, come and work with me. If you're ready to go all in on visibility and if you are done with having a podcast on your to-do list, I am your girl. I am about to start my Zero to Launch online program. It's six weeks, 12 teachings where you can hold my hand while I lead you through how to create your very own podcast. Let's make some impact and let's get ready to make your message heard. Okay, Marla Kennedy, I was lucky enough to come across her through an online event that I was running where we were talking about rituals of rejuvenation. Marla came on and chatted to us about self-acceptance and I just knew I had to get her on the podcast. She helps women shift from self-doubt to self-love so they can feel confident. She works with language, emotions and the body, guiding her clients to reinvigorate their relationship to self and facilitate lasting shifts. She's a life coach, an EFT practitioner, an ontological coach, a writer, and a mama. Her mission is to help women prioritize self-care and self-acceptance, ensuring they give themselves permission to always be their authentic self. Let's meet her. show, Marla Kennedy. Thank you so much for joining us on the Quintessential Being podcast today. My pleasure I'm so
1: happy to be here.
0: Oh I'm super excited to chat with you Marla, because you have been and really like you're still probably on an epic self-acceptance journey and I feel like self-acceptance is like the new self-love. Like self-love had its like day in the sun and now it's time for like self-acceptance. It's like the next layer that kind of like dropped in right?
1: Yeah I love that that's so good and I totally agree. I just think self-acceptance is like foundational it's so important it's so key you can't get you can't get to self-love if you don't have
0: self-acceptance so it's crucial it really is like like maybe we can start with like what does self-acceptance really mean to you like how do you know what are the symptoms in your life that show up that tell you that you are getting better at self-acceptance this is, might
1: sound like kind of depressing, but for me it was really about looking in the mirror and not like flinching, you know. Like it's really, to me, you go from like the self-doubt and the self-hate to self-acceptance um, and, it, you know, because I have um, vitiligo on my skin, it was a really, like I was really slapped in the face with that journey of, it seems like a superficial thing, but it's amazing when parts of your visual appearance is, I was going to say taken away from you. I don't know if that's quite the right, right wording, but it kind of was like it was very confronting to have my skin like lose its pigmentation and have to, to look at that and be like, oh, hang on, okay, now I have to either deal with this or things aren't going to be going very well for me.
0: Mm. So tell us, when did you get diagnosed? Well, when did it start happening? That started. I'm just thinking about
1: my years. It was 2012. I noticed the, yeah, I noticed the first patch, and it was a tiny little white patch, like a five cent piece on my um hand. And I kind of, I didn't know what it was. I remember I was sitting at my desk at work at the time. I worked for an accountant, and I saw it, and I was just like, "What is this?". And I was kind of like horrified about it. And then I um, went to the doctor. And he was such a funny doctor, bless him. I'm really glad he delivered the news, actually. Yeah. But he, he, I sat down. He's like,
0: "Well, you're not gonna die." <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. the best way to deliver it. I'll just sandwich that in there first. <laughs> yeah,
1: it was. He was. He was. He was great. And then um, he just told me what it was, and he said. Then he, then he proceeded to tell me it's really unpredictable. There's nothing that causes it. There's no cure. And I was like, "Well, that's helpful." Mm-hmm. And I, I, I do believe possibly there are things you can do. And I'm not going to go into like the diet side of things. And I really haven't really, I've over the years I've that, addressed that kind of thing. But you know, I, it was just there. And then I. I just had that little patch and nothing happened, so I was really comfortable with it for years. So I continued on with my partying and working and whatever. Um, then I then I got pregnant with my partner and um, we I was pregnant with my son and it was I don't know if it was after I had him or after I got pregnant. I actually can't remember, but it just started escalating massively and quite fast. So it was progressing and mainly on my hands but also my ankle, my knees, like my hip and stuff. And that's when I really started to freak out and I was was really starting to hate myself. I had postnatal depression, not sure if it was linked. I'm sure there was elements that it was definitely linked. And I realised that I really wanted to be around for my son because I was that depressed Um, and I knew I had to do something so that's when i started diving in i mean i was i've always i've been into um spirituality and personal growth stuff since i guess like 2010 but i i still remember my stepmom of all people surprisingly introduced me to the law of attraction mm-hmm. and then that was my uh, opening to that and then i discovered coaching and Yeah, I just sort of dabbled while I was still numbing things with alcohol and other stuff. Yeah, so it's been feels like a long journey for me, but yeah, it's been amazing too.
0: Yeah, I can't even imagine like having those two coincide where you you know you have the birth of your first son. Um, because I feel like that. It's so underestimated the journey from going from maiden to mother, like I personally got totally lost after having my son. It's just such a you know, no amount of (laughs) no amount of books or material or spoken like spoken experience to you can convey the the massive transformation that happens in that. And then having on top of that, you know, yeah, that sort of escalating for you that would have been so huge. So once you could sort of start coming out of the depression and the um, the battle with it, what was your first real, I guess what I'm asking for is, like, relief around it, like the, the balm that would sort of soothe you, I guess you could say? Oh, well, that's beautiful.
1: I just remember, I mean, when I was in the, like, postnatal phase, I was doing a lot of, I, I just started committing to myself. So that was kind of before... I started to just get into this commitment with myself but I wasn't really addressing my skin so I started waking up at like five um, and it was just some time alone for my son so, um, and my partner was working a lot so it was the only time I could have because we had no support when we were on the Gold Coast and, um, yeah, I would have that time for, and I would journal, I would tap, I would meditate, I'd do all different things um, and then we moved down to um, near Byron um, about a year later. And so I had the like ritual stuff and there was that stuff, but I still, it was still the self acceptance was not there. It was really missing. And so I started um, working with a coach, Amy Louise Cash, who really helped me. Um, Tune into like facing off with my skin I did um actually wanna a spot in one of her programs I think and then i I just started doing um work with her, but I started also really like just consciously bringing attention to my skin and so I'd lie in bed at night and I would um to just say give gratitude to my skin because I wasn't at the point where I could look in the mirror and do mirror work I just wasn't there that was way too much of a stretch so I had to start really small where I wasn't actually looking at it I was just talking to it and slowly slowly built up but I think um the biggest one of them I and I say self-love here because it really was like overarching but my biggest act of self-love was getting sober and so when at the time that I let go of alcohol I wasn't a big drinker Mm -hmm. I had been in the past but at that time I wasn't and I just made the decision and it was a really easy decision for me and I had given it up for a year prior um, a few years earlier um, and that had been the same really easy so I knew I could do it and I knew I wanted to and yeah so that was a really big part of it for me because it allowed me to feel everything Mm. I stopped there was not even if I was just having like a glass of wine because at the time I would have like spritzes so I just have like a glass of wine with like sparkling water but there was still taking the edge off there was it was so there was no edge for me and by feeling everything I could move through it and I could um shift and come out the other side so it was that was really really important for me and I'm a huge advocate for sobriety and I I, I guess I kind of do wear it like a badge now <laughs> a little bit and I, I you know I've heard of people who get sober and then they don't drink and then they feel like they're attached to the sobriety so they'll have a drink so they can't be attached to that label and I I'm not into that. That just doesn't sit for me because I really I feel like it's a good thing mm. and it's a really supportive thing. Mm. And um it's it's really changed my life in so many ways, in so many beautiful ways that I just love it and and years later in 2018 as well like I used to be a massive so I kind of think I replaced alcohol well had sparkling water and stuff and I still love to drink that but um coffee became a really big vice for me and I would drink a lot of coffee and there was one point I was drinking like four cups a day which you know it it doesn't seem like that big a thing but it really it was it was getting to the point we were traveling we were in Japan and I was so angry because coffee shops wouldn't open there it was really hard to find until like 10 I needed my first cup at like six so I would like stop my partner from going to where we wanted to go because we'd have to find coffee I'd be really really angry or I'd have to drink this sugary stuff from a can from the vending machines everywhere so I'd go on this massive high and then I would crash and I realized there I was just I just realized how much I was like relying on something and it was actually had a hold on my life like alcohol I, I recognized the pattern I recognized it was the same thing and so I decided uh, we were in England and I was about to do this really intensive three-day workshop and it was over two weekends three days and three days I think no three and four maybe I think it was longer than that anyway so it was a really intense like start at 8 a.m finish at like 11 p.m kind of thing um with Preston and Alexi Panos, um, Press and and so that I had that that I was about to do, and I just decided that I wanted to be detox, like I just wanted to be clean completely for that workshop. So I decided on the morning of it to quit coffee. In retrospect, I probably should have cut down from four cups mm. a few days earlier. Yeah, what were the headaches my- like? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just say <laughs> it was chronic and yeah. then I was doing this huge workshop of somatic stuff and yeah. like all, like it was so intense mm-hmm. anyway and then I had these pounding headaches for the whole time yeah so really detox I cleared out a lot um and yeah I mean I've had like decaf coffee since then a few times and um every now and again I've had coffee like but I, I wouldn't it's so funny actually my partner brought home he doesn't drink coffee either he brought home he works he works um in a coffee shop part-time and he brought home a coffee and I don't know why he ended up having it but he did and it was half a shot so he's like oh I thought you might like to just have like a sip and I reckon I had two sips I was off I was so like I lost it and I just was like wow I just it's amazing how much you desensitize to, to desensitize to this stuff it's It seems so normal. And yet I think it can it can it really affects us. And I tracked that tiny smidge of coffee that I had, I tracked my mood that day and I was all over the place. Mm. All over the place. I can't I can't even imagine how I was functioning on as much coffee as you used to drink mm. and i can't imagine how i like accepted myself because i would i felt during that day with a tiny bit that i was doubting myself all this stuff um and the same with alcohol like i was i was really even after just one or two glasses i would feel the the come down and the depression and then not not necessarily identify or consciously i deny that it was like links. and it really was so um yeah, that's a long way of saying that that was a really big part of my journey to self love, self acceptance. Um yeah, it's really key. Wow though, like I
0: just honour you on your journey. What a huge like there's some pretty big things. Like sobriety is no easy feat, especially in Australian culture. <laughs> you know, like it just doesn't um <laughs> it doesn't compute for a lot of people, you know. And what a gift to give yourself and the reason why you went sober, like to explore your edges and to to really feel like, oh, like your courage and your bravery is just so awe-inspiring, honestly, like I just, um, I'm floored. And then to do coffee, <laughs> babe, you're like my hero.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. I do, I have to admit though, I do still, I like will drink cacao and stuff like that. So there's probably stuff in that, but. It's very different to yeah to coffee and um yeah it's I just think I really believe when you really want to do something and you you decide and you make it a thing of your past it's it can be really easy to let go of because it's all the it's the crux and the, all the things underneath the the insecurities and stuff that keep you really attached to it.
0: That's what I want to focus on. Like how did you how did you laser in on getting comfortable feeling uncomfortable? As a society, it's really hard for us to feel negative emotions or to feel anything other than like happiness. Like we just really struggle with it. Like depression and anger and all of those. Like there's a whole myriad like grief, shame, all that stuff is so tricky to battle with. So what was your process or approach to yourself? when those edges were coming up and you didn't have alcohol to you know to numb it anymore
1: i didn't want to die mm-hmm. and i know that sounds like it sounds dramatic it sounds depressing but i didn't want i was so depressed that if i kept going the way i was going i don't think i would be here and i didn't want that for my son mm-hmm. i wanted to be a role model for him um and to, and i wanted I wanted to show him what is possible mm. and I still really believe in that. I wanted to and I and it wasn't just about him as well. Like I was sick of feeling so much pain. I was in constant pain all the time. I hated myself. I hated my life. I resented everything um and while I was very into personal growth and I loved all that stuff, it was that was it was still there, um, and so I wanted something to change. I wanted to have the life that I always had thought I would have because my expectations of my life were so different to what was unfolding at that time, and it was, it was like I was at the lowest of the low. All I could do was go up, um, and if I had to feel and challenge myself, to get to feeling better, then that was okay
0: because I was bigger than me. I feel like there there's like a threshold that you got to cross there where it was kind of like you were in so much pain and you didn't, you know, you didn't know, you knew you wanted to be better but you didn't know how that was going to happen. Can you tell me about crossing the threshold? Like what, what does it feel like to cross over? I mean, I know we've all we never, we never arrive at the destination, right? Like life's the journey and like we have to, (laughs) there's always going to be cosmic two by fours, like send our way that we have to kind of navigate around. But, um, I feel like that was a huge, you know, whether you want to call it a threshold or corner that you turned, can you tell me about moving through that?
1: Yeah. So I guess I, I had my self care, my self love and all that stuff, but I also started um, and I didn't consciously realize this. One of my mentors reflected this idea of um, what I'm going to share uh, when I was on a call with her. And it was like, well, that's what I actually did without even realizing. So I, I had my, like, self-care um, and then I had my purpose. And I started doing something that was my purpose. And initially when I was on the Gold Coast, that was network marketing. Mm-hmm. So it gave me something other than my son. and it gave me some meaning in my life and so with that meaning there came some hope and and I'd studied coaching so I started I decided I wanted to do ontological coaching back in like 2011 maybe and or even earlier I wanted to do it for a really long time and then I finally started in two thousand. I don't know if it's twelve or thirteen. The years don't matter anyway. I just always time is an illusion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it is, Mama. Yeah, it really is. So anyway, so we started. I started studying it back way back then, and it was an eighteen month diploma. Um, And I I totally lost what what my point was, but then you know, and then so I was studying that, and I realized. And like I knew I wanted to coach and then I finished that and I had my son. So I had my son just as I was finishing. So that was two thousand and fourteen. And I had like it's one of those things where you had a load of coursework. It was very paper heavy. But there wasn't a deadline because it's all about your way of being. And I really went through some massive changes. When I started my coaching during that journey, I'd actually um been engaged before that and then I met my partner shortly after and it was like my whole life just changed, basically, in that time. And so I knew I wanted to be a coach, but I didn't do anything. I somehow just didn't have the confidence. So I like, would wanted this purpose so badly, but I went into like the network marketing thing at that point. And then when I was on the Gold Coast, I finally decided maybe I wanted to like actually do something more. No, when we were down Byron Way, and then. It just gave me hope and we ended up – so I had this purpose. I was thinking about coaching and I was thinking about, like, the network marketing thing. And then my partner and I made the decision because my partner had a lot of back pain and he was a plumber and really he, he was on workers' comp for a while and he's a really fit – he's always been a really fit guy but he was his back was just giving him so much grief. And so we made the decision – to sell our house and just go travel and just like screw it all because we were both having a hard time and so we that gave me hope too and it took a long time to get to that point but travel really gave me something because we when we went we decided we were going to do a travel blog and a travel vlog and. My partner decided he was going to try. We just decided to get a camera and just give it a go. Give it, um, we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> and our, our, But it was so fun. And so just before, like, we started, like, going out and filming all around Bar and the stuff. So really beautiful setting and really it was so rookie. <laughs> well, actually, I was really impressed by what, like, what people together considering. Mm. Um, anyway, so we went travelling and... That that was really like a big threshold for me, and that, like I'm really blessed that we got to do that. And we were, we went to like 13 countries, and we succeeded at failing at a vlog, which was so much fun. And I realized that I wanted to coach, not write travel blogs. And so I finally put out, I finally put myself out there as a coach and started working just like minimally in that and gave me some meaning so that it was wasn't just being a mom and I was still I still was leaning into the self acceptance I still am leaning into the self acceptance there's always something else that comes up but now I'm at the point where I'm so grateful for my skin it was the biggest blessing because if that hadn't happened I wouldn't love myself like I do. Mm. I wouldn't know what self-acceptance is. I'd probably still be numbing with all the edges. I'd still be probably playing small, like, stuck. I just, it was such a gift, and I really see that now. And, look, I don't want it to spread anymore. Like, I'm happy with how it is right now. Like, I'm really accepting that. So, you know, if it, um... Escalates, which it could well. Then I'll be diving deeper into the work of loving myself even more, and having still a a lot more work because that's life and that's what happens. But yeah, right now it's it's good, and I'm really grateful for it. And even if it does progress, I'll still be grateful for it, and I'll still love it because of all the lessons that I've learned. Because there've been so many, and it has changed my life in in beautiful ways.
0: And I can, like, so hear in your voice as well how genuinely grateful you are for that. Like, it's so beautiful. Oh, it's just gorgeous. So for those of us who don't know, can you tell us what ontological coaching is?
1: <laughs> yeah. So I generally don't. I always mention it, but I generally just am a live coach because it's a lot easier. But um, ontological coaching is it was originally kind of started by um, these guys from Brazil and then it was brought to America and then brought to Australia and it's a study of your language, emotions and your body and their interrelationship. So it really works in your way of being and it really um, impacts your nervous system. So there's a lot of somatics in there and they did a lot of scientific testing on on it and it's a really gentle, it's really gentle and it can be really subtle and I mean, while I was studying, I was of being coached and it felt like the safest environment. It just felt like people were listening to me and it was so safe. It was it's not the style of coaching where you're like, you know, go for this goal. It's really gentle, like and comforting almost. But my whole life turned upside down and transformed and, like, I left a relationship and set all these really strong boundaries with people in my life, like massive things, yet I was held in this really gentle, nurturing, calming way and being coached and coaching people in this way. And I know it was related to that. I know it was definitely that style of coaching and how deeply it works on your nervous system and
0: yeah and I just feel like there I just wrote down like safety like that it's such a basic need for us as humans, isn't it? And especially to like unpack all the all the shit that we pick up from our from our childhood, from our you know from going through teenage years to an adult like it yeah, safety. I feel like safety is one of the most underrated things. like if you can feel safe you can you can shift, you can shift the stuff you know so is it kind of like NLP and like the basis of like you know how we do like mantras and affirmations like obviously it's not that but that's kind of if we were to make a connection that's kind of what it's like because it's you said that it uses language and emotions and your nervous system
1: yeah and your body so you know I really don't know much about NLP at all my mentor Alan who brought it to Australia he used to talk about NLP um and he's done NLP and he said there were some similarities but obviously he was like just a massive advocate for ontological coaching as his preference like he didn't use NLP at all he only used ontological coaching um so i think there are similarities but i don't know that much about NLP NLP so i can't really say but mm. um so that it's it's not so much affirmations there's there's a a element of it around declarations mm-hmm. but these de- declarations it's it's not just about your language it's really embodied and it's really it, it, you have to get into your emotions and how it's really carried in your emotions to make this declaration and it really influences your whole way of being
0: so can you give me like an it's example just, of slightly like something that you'd like switch from to? Like do you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm getting the sense that once you can kind of find that, that you really like pivot almost. Like you can you can do this gentle pivot.
1: Yeah. So I guess, for example, it works. So you start with your, your language and Alan always says that your language is a predisposition for action. So... That's really like a key part of the language element. And then it really looks at your assessments, which assessments are like opinions or judgments um, and how you perceive the world. So we all have our context or our frame of reference that is based on our demographics, our social history. Everything that we have experienced frames how we see the world. And then from there... We make assessments and we make assessments about ourselves. and we make them about other people. And so sometimes they can be grounded, which means we can take them on, it can be really useful. Sometimes they're not and we can let them go. And there's processes and stuff you can go through to really unpack that. Then you go into, um, and I'm doing a really like quick, quick rapid fire thing in this. Um, Then you go into like your emotions and in your emotions there will be things there's, there's six main moods that they focus on and so they oppose three oppose the other three kind of thing and then you have your emotions with them so there's like resignation resentment anxiety and there's acceptance ambition curiosity Um, and so we generally tend to live in one of these main moods and then overarching for a longer period of time and then you have your day-to-day emotions that you shift so if you're living from like a mood of resignation for it, for example, that can be really heavy and you carry that in your body and it really affects your nervous system, obviously. And then so you want to look at shifting out of that mood to another mood and then you want to go back to your language. You look at the requests you're making, the requests you're not making, you look at the assessments um, and you'll you'll start from that. You'll get to making declarations that will shift your mood. Holy Um,
0: fucking shit. Wow. (laughs) I've never heard of it before, but that sounds, like, amazing. And I just love that the six moods that you talked about, I was just like my mouth was open the whole time. I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> this makes a lot yeah. of sense. Wow. Yeah,
1: and um, I love it so much. It's really, and sometimes I'll veer off it and I'll go into something else and then I'll be talking to one of my friends who I studied with or I'll talk to one of my former mentors who is just such a master at it and they'll say something and they'll bring it back to the simplicity of these six moods or they'll bring it back to the language or something and I'm just like, it's home. Yeah. It's it's home. It's so, it's so gentle and nurturing and amazing and just, mm. I just, and I really love it, um, yeah. And so you coach so, now
0: in, you coach that? Yeah,
1: yep, yeah, I use that. Yeah, I also do EFT as well, which I love. I'm madly in love with I'm EFT. I'm obsessed as well. with EFT.
0: Like EFT has made the biggest yeah. shift in my life over the last 18 months. It's huge. Mm.
1: Yeah. So for me now, like I've done I'm just finishing off my level three of EFT and I had a session today with my mentor and oh my gosh, something that was stuck in me that has been there and just so interesting. I have had this freeze Reaction to things, and I just thought I was just me. Like I just freeze, and I thought it was normal, and it turned out it was linked to some massive trauma. Um, it was amazing. It blew my mind. But what I love is that ontology just marries in with EFT. To me, they just fit together mm. really nicely. You can use them. I just I love them both, and I, I'm really. I think there's really room for them to both to to like support each other Completely. so yeah. I really love that I'm really uh, looking at how I can in- integrate them into what I do yeah. and also yes yeah, so, you know because I I love to hold circles and I'm just starting to do that it's something that I re- really recently discovered and I was like wow I really love holding space I love being held in space mm. um and that's different again because it's not coaching but weaving all that together into yeah. My
0: my work is what I'm really excited about. Oh, you're an amazing human. The thing that I love about EFT is that, like, you can do it in the moment. Like, I've never done any formal training with it. I've just watched YouTube videos and then I just make up my own scripts. And that has been probably the biggest thing for me because I've spent years and, like, I didn't even know how much money, like, on all sorts of modalities and therapies and, you. you know, yeah, and all that kind of stuff to clear a whole bunch of stuff. And so... I really liked that I got to be in control and that you're, you know, you start out talking about the problem and actually just feeling it and like letting that out and then moving to like, this is kind of, you know, moving your language around what you want whilst releasing it. And like, you can, you know, you can physically feel it changing in your body. I just, yeah, I adore, I adore EFT. That's such a good point
1: as well, because it's not bypassing and that's what I love about ontology and it's what I love about EFT as well. You go into the feelings. You don't bypass them. You don't be just positive thinking and pretending everything's okay. You feel it and you go in and then you can go through. And I was the same with EFT. I, I would watch um, Brad Yates videos on YouTube. I love him. And I would just watch them when I was really depressed and that was a big part of my self-care thing to do those videos every day and just... Yeah, but just to feel it and to mm. go into whatever's there and acknowledge it and allow it to be there, then it can release mm. and and both Ontology and EFT provide that. So, yeah, it's what I love.
0: Before you talked about, you know, like you succeeded at failing at a vlog, I'd just love to know, I think we underestimate failure so much in our world so tell me like what did you learn about like failing in such a beautiful way like because it, it seems like it was the most fun failure for you ever and it like you know gave you um so much in your life for you and your partner and so yeah what, what's your perspective on failure now has it massively shifted because because of that experience um completely
1: and it's really transformed our lives um my um I don't believe in failure, and I learned to not believe in failure from my partner. He is like, There's no such thing as failure, everything is success um, because you learn something. And so now I just only believe in success. Um, this is all a lesson. And you know, it changed our lives completely. I finally stepped into the coaching world that I wanted to be in, and my partner ended up deciding he was done with plumbing. He's now a photographer. and he, he he was doing videography. He's kind of stepping away from that, although everyone wants him to keep doing videography now and he's like, no, I just want to do photos. So he's, he's navigating that and he loves it. It's absolutely his passion and I may be biased, but I think he's really, really good at taking photos and he takes all of my photos. So I'm really lucky in that way because I get lots of photo shoots, which is another act of self-love and self-acceptance because you have to... Be comfortable with yourself. I learned so much about myself by getting in front of a camera and I think maybe it would be different if it was with a stranger. It would probably be more of an edge. But I highly recommend to people, if you want to get comfortable with yourself, go and do photo shoots because
0: you'll learn so
1: much about you.
0: That's such a beautiful piece of advice. I love that. I Yeah, in the last maybe four months I've sort of opened up to that theory too without even really knowing it like you know it is an act of self-love and it's really yeah it's like it's like that mirror work really just just in a different kind of way right
1: yeah yeah it is and then learning to love the photos that you don't love
0: (laughs) Um, right yes because
1: there are not all the photos are going to be what you necessarily want but if you can Learn to love them, and there have been so many times. I don't like that photo. I'm not putting that photo up. And then one day I was like, Marla, so what are you doing? So I put this photo up that I hated of myself, and embraced that and owned the fact that I hated it, and that it was a real stretch for me. Um, and lean into like accepting that because there's something there. You get to lean into that if there's if there's
0: an edge there, and you
1: aren't happy with a photo, then what's there? What's missing for you? You get to look at.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. I um I have a friend who started like the She Is Me movement here in South Australia and it's all about like normalizing normal. So she gets these beautiful photo shoots of like hundreds of women and they all wear like black bras and black undies. And I was part of one last year and then she yeah, she's recently posted up a photo. And I'm in the photo, and I'm like, it's all fun and games until, <laughs> you know, you like all on board until it's you in the photo, and then you're like, yeah, it pushes your edges, and it's really hard then to accept all of you, especially on, you know, more of a um, more of a public scale, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah.
1: Yeah, totally. I remember having to do, well, not having to, but I really wanted like photos of me in like bathers or a bikini or something, and like in my head, I was like, are oh, they going to be edited so I look like this super like gorgeous like model-esque thing and then I like got the photos and I was like oh I'm really short (laughs) you know (laughs) and obviously I know that because I'm five foot two so I am really short and you know I've got curves and all that kind of thing and um it was a real edge for me to look at have photos of me in like bathers and a bikini and stuff and yeah but I learned into it.
0: Mm, I love that before I let you go because I know I've kept you for a while can you tell me what's been the most interesting byproduct of feeling more self-acceptance like in your in your observations of yourself I'm a lot calmer because I used to
1: have really be really anxious and have a lot of anxiety and it still comes up sometimes but I'm definitely a lot calmer, and I'm definitely a lot more grounded yeah. and I used to be the girl that I would growing up I would watch um movies and I would see the heroine would be the victim, and she would have everything would work out for her because she was the one crying in the floor on the shower you know, and so I thought. I, I thought that was real and I thought that would get me attention and get me to be liked and be likeable. So I think I hunted out drama and I sought out drama, and yeah. but that was especially in those party days I did, you know, I've got some stories and I'm not going to tell <laughs> that, um you know, like some wild stuff. I was pretty out there and, like, attracted drama and craved and thrived on it, and now I'm just – well, I do like to watch The Bachelor. <laughs> That's my guilty pleasure. Bachelor in Paradise is on, and it, it's absolutely my guilty pleasure. Oh my it's
0: god, great. I love it! I'm obsessed with Tim Hadley. Like, I actually want him to be my husband.
1: <laughs> Don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I it's it is my out, and I actually had um, I was talking to someone about human design, which is a whole other thing. Oh. And she said my human, de- she she said to me that it's really good for me to watch things like reality TV or Zone Out or something because it is really good for my human side. So I'm taking that on. Um, But, yeah, apart from that, I really don't like drama in my life. I'm a very low-key calm person and it was so funny when my partners are saying we really just like to mind our own business and when we first shifted into this like acceptance of who we were and letting go of all the drama it seemed to like chase us and we just like leave us alone (laughs) because all these people trying to like unpack theirs will kind of project onto us I guess because we were being really like calm and centered and getting more and more and I feel like more and more the more I accept myself the more I lean into that. The more grounded I am, and the calmer I am, and yeah, I have my 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 outs. I live vicarious through, live through the people in paradise in some ways. But I also am so would never want to have that life now. Yeah. Where once upon a time I would have like before I accepted myself, that was the life that I wanted more than anything. And now I'm just
0: I have my quiet happy life. <laughs> mm, totally, and the Margaret River is such a beautiful place. So you're offering the self love yeah. experience. Tell me about it.
1: Yeah, so I haven't um, really launched it yet. It's still a work in progress, um, but it is. I'm creating like a membership. It will be a monthly membership around um, self love, self acceptance, all that good stuff. There will definitely be circles and EFT in that. Um, so it's kind of a stay tuned kind of thing because I'm still kind of nutting it out. I actually am also working on another program that will probably come out first. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, and that's going to be, um, it's going to be a nice short four week program. I'm really, really excited about that. So yeah, those two things are definitely my next two things. And then I just do the one-on-one stuff. So Um, But, yeah, everything, you know, it's a real mix of
0: ontology, EFT, um, circles. So tell us where we can find you. Like where's all your digital hangouts? If people want to work with you one-on-one, tell us where we can can hunt you down. Yeah, thank you. So
1: Instagram is one of my favourite places, at Marla Loves, and it's M-A-L-A and then loves with an S. And then also I have a Facebook group which I am Very active in it's called the Self Love Community for Women Tips on How to Live a Purpose Driven Life. And there's lots of stuff happening in there and coming up. It's a really, they are the main two places I hang out. And then I have my podcast, Elevate Your Life and Soul, or my website, I suppose, MarlaKennedy.com. That's easy (laughs) too.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. I have adored getting to know you more. Like, I just think you are incredible. I love what you're doing. I love, yeah, like I said, self-acceptance is something that I've totally battled with too and still continue to. So, yeah, I am excited to see what you bring to the world. So thank you.
1: Ah, oh, thank you so much for having me. I've lo- I really love getting to know you too and um, chatting with you and I know there's, there'll be lots more to come. So that's really exciting.
0: An incredible chat with Marla Kennedy. It really brought into focus for me you know, the growth cycle from self-hate to self-doubt to self-acceptance to finally self-love. And I mean, you know, it's not about skipping steps or doing it in a linear way because it's never a linear process, right? But moving gracefully through each of those phases and sometimes slipping back again, you know, we all have to do this over and over again. We are, we are part of nature. We are cyclical. So my biggest takeaways to help through that cyclical process is definitely to commit to yourself. Time alone and be conscious, bring conscious presence to the part of yourself that you don't like. I have to share with you an incredible experience I had this morning where I woke up and I felt completely clunky. I was definitely going down the rabbit hole of negative thinking. I was tired. I didn't want to show up to the world. I was at that point where I needed to surrender to my feminine flow. By now, I know that when those moments hit me, if I need to tick off a couple of things in on my to-do list, because we're all human, right, we have families and life and business and things that we need to show up for, I knew I wouldn't be able to move through my day and show up how I wanted unless I shifted how I was feeling. And so I had this beautiful idea to dance And I am not a dancer. Like I I can move it on the dance floor if I've had a couple of drinks, but I definitely don't have never fully surrendered into dancing like no one's watching. This morning was a completely different experience. I was like, right, straight into my room, grabbed my speaker, put on my favorite song and started moving. And at first I was like, oh, I feel you just feel awkward. And like, if anyone was watching you, it's like, you can, you can see yourself from, (laughs) I don't know, from another perspective, right? And you're like, oh, stop being such a loser, Nikki. What are you doing? God, what are those moves? And I moved through the discomfort and just kept on going. Then I was shaking it out of my body. I started bawling my eyes out, moving, shaking, dancing, jumping around and really processing physically the emotion that I was feeling put on song after song. After about five songs, my son came in and joined me. We had a dance party and I really like an, un. I was wild. I was free. I was moving like I've never moved before. I did not care what I looked like. I was moving for the sake of healing. And it really dawned on me that this was my connection to my wild. I could feel my edges expanding. I could feel my energetic container expanding and it felt good. And it completely shifted my mindset in an instant. Well, not an instant, obviously like four or five songs, but in those moments, I allowed myself to move through the emotions and I came out the other side. It was magical. I felt like This is definitely now part of my self-care toolkit. When I'm feeling funky, I'm going to sink into it. Embodiment dance, it really, there is something to be said for it. From my heart to yours, thank you so much for listening today. I would love for you to share this episode with a friend. You know, we are all seeking to feel whole, to feel seen and heard and felt, right? So send this out to your most precious people. And thank you so much. I deeply appreciate you and your hearts and your ears. Till next time, big love.